It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by xbet.ag, providing a 100% deposit bonus with the promo code XBET. X-B-E-T. Today's guest, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman, who contributes to ZoneCoverage.com. But he is also a brilliant freelance photographer, and he was covering the game as a photog on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Luke, you're a versatile man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Sam. Appreciate that intro. As always, you set the bar a little bit too high, but I appreciate it. And yeah, man, it was fun sitting on the sidelines, snapping some shots, obviously getting both the players and the coaches. But it's always great because you get a couple wild card B celebrities, you know. I mean, obviously some K fan personnel is usually there. Greg Coleman, the former Viking punter, Ben Lieber, guys like that. But Peter Schrager from NFL Network and one of the more popular uh, morning morning shows on the NFL uh, network was there and uh, got a few shots of him, got to talk to him. So uh, it's always pretty cool. You never know what you're going to get. Wish we would have got a Vikings W, but we'll break that down a little bit. Did you uh, get any little nuggets there on the sideline? You're obviously pretty close to the benches. I think you were right by Dalvin cook as he limped off the field with certified athletic trainer, Eric Sugarman. What kind of vibe was that like? Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I immediately went back to the Teddy injury because although I wasn't there, it's been described in such detail so many times before that uh, it se- you know it kind of makes you feel like you you were there for that Teddy injury. Uh, the way it's been, you know, the story's been unfolded and told to us so many times. Um, Brian Robeson, I'll never forget this image. Uh, kind of threw his helmet down and and walked kind of away from everybody else on his own. And the look of frustration um, and just kind of hurt that you could see in in his eyes and, and again, his facial expression kind of said it all. And although a lot of the fans, um, and I'm not sure what was going on on the actual television broadcast, Fox broadcast um, was going on, but it seemed like there was still a little bit of hope when Cook got up and didn't need a cart and was walking on his own power, um, you look at a guy like B-Rob and some of the other players around him, and it's almost like they knew right away that it was going to be an ACL injury and that his season was over. So, uh, again, I'll never forget the, the frustration on the sideline right out the gate. It reminded me a lot of how the Teddy Bridgewater uh, injury was described. And although you know it wasn't as intense as the Teddy uh, injury itself, 
Um, I think, again, the frustration of losing another star player, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, which they've tried so hard the past few years to get the offense clicking, and they finally found somebody who can balance out the passing game a little bit. And to lose him uh, after he had such a great start through the first three weeks, uh, you could tell very frustrating and heartbreaking for a lot of these players. Yeah, he was on pace for maybe having his best game of the year so far. Uh, And while the crowd might have had some hope when he got up and walked, it seemed like he had a look of resignation on his face, almost a look of, oh my goodness, I can't believe that just happened to me. And he came over to the sideline, and I don't know if you noticed this, and it'll be interesting to see if we can ask him about it at some point. I don't know when he's going to talk to the media again. Might not be for a year like Teddy. But he goes over to the sideline, and Kennedy Polamalu, the running back's coach, puts his arms around him, and Cook basically lays his head on Palomalu's shoulder, and he whispered something to him. And it was almost like he knew, the coach knew, what had just happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I saw a snapshot of that, and, and I know what you're referring to. And, and again, I mean, you kind of look at Shug's face, too, Eric Sugarman, the head athletic trainer, who's dealt with plenty of these injuries before, dealt with the Teddy injury maybe see Teddy's career all said and done, but um, you, you just saw that kind of empty blank look like here we go again type of thing. And, and, you know, it's easy to say now that we know looking back um, that maybe they knew, but, but I really do think that a lot of the players, a lot of the coaches knew, and even Mike Zimmer before the MRI uh, was already uh, quoted saying that, Hey, I, you know, I told Delvin uh, a lot of players come back from, from ACL injuries, a lot of great players like Adrian Peterson. So he's going to be okay. Uh, That was before the MRI had even took place. So, um, you know, I think everybody kind of quietly knew uh, or assumed that uh, assumed the worst that that uh, Dalvin Cook's injury was over due to an ACL injury. Seems like there's a, a decent chance he could be back for Week One of next year, but I guess we can't really speculate on the timeline. He hasn't had surgery yet, but ten months that would get him to start a training camp. If it's eleven months, that would get him to the start of the regular season. So I think it's safe to say that he will contribute next year for the Vikings. Hold tight there, Luke. I got to tell the listeners about something new and fascinating and fantastic if you like betting on sports. It's xbet.ag. It's like Vegas in your pocket. Using their mobile website, you can just log in, bet on any game you want right from your phone. Check them out. Clean website, easy to use, really cool graphics. It's one of the best aesthetic websites that you will find. They offer live, in-game wagering, Turn your fourth quarter faith and emotional overtimes into heart-pounding cash stacking opportunities. When you join, you can use the promo code XBET and you'll get up to a 100% bonus on your first deposit. Don't be the guy saying, I would have won big. Join XBET and start winning right away. If you refer a friend, you'll get up to 100% of their first deposit as well. So bring the whole squad Build the bank at xbet.ag, the newest and most exciting betting platform on the planet. Promo code XBET to claim your bonus. I heard some ridiculous opinionating being spouted out on the radio this morning. Mike Florio of NBC's Pro Football Talk. I think he's a good host, and I think he does a good job covering the league. And sometimes when you cover the league, you don't really know the nuances of every of every team. And he is advocating for the Vikings to trade for Adrian Peterson and bring huh? him back. Yes, this is a huh? serious radio segment. On so many levels, 
This just seems so, so wrong. Florio doesn't seem like this kind of guy, but but have we thought about drug testing him lately? Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, that just doesn't make sense on, on many levels, and we can get into a few here, but um, I, I just know that um, – you know, Florio sometimes likes to stir the pot a little bit. Certainly the connections can be made when your star running back goes down. And again, the bigger story not being told, I think, is that the Saints may be ready to um, free Adrian Peterson back into the market and kind of cut ties with him already. Um, so that obviously speaks volumes to where he's at with that organization. Uh, you've got a guy like Alvin Kamara from Tennessee, the rookie running back who they traded up for, who's playing outstanding right now with Drew Brees in the passing game. And uh, I think, you know, the stars somewhat have aligned in that aspect where, you know, Adrian could be accessible um, and it seems like the Saints would be willing to trade him, but that doesn't mean you should trade for him. And I think I go back to this, same that I remember going into last year's draft at Werner Park, talking to a few Vikings personnel people, uh, you know, in, in the uh, organization, if you will, and um, they made it known to me that uh, – uh, the front office has had been split on Adrian for two, three years. And I think um, for a while um, there was plenty of people who wanted Adrian out um, for different uh, various factors, like the, like the big contract, uh, not being able to really help in the passing game much, still wasn't getting better as a pass blocker or catching the ball in the backfield, uh, things of that nature. And of course it made the offense somewhat one dimensional um, and a little stale towards the end when you knew you had to force feed Adrian from that single back formation. So um, I, I feel like those people are still within the organization. And I feel like now that they just finally got him out of here after two, three years of banging on the table, I highly doubt that they're going to be okay with bringing him right back in and bringing him back into the fold. Now, obviously he's uh, used to Minnesota. It wouldn't take him long to get acclimated. Um, you know, you, you bring in like a Sam Bradford last year, takes him a few weeks to finally get the playbook fully down. Uh, Adrian wouldn't take long, I can assure you that. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think really that's why you brought in Latavius Murray. Remember, Murray was brought in before the drafting of Dalvin Cook. Now, they knew they were going to draft a running back at some point, but they didn't think they were going to get a guy like Cook. So Murray was really brought in from the get-go. Uh, to be the bell cow and to be the number one back. And they knew they still had Jerick McKinnon, who's on a, a contract year now. And don't forget, C.J. Ham, a converted fullback, converted fullback. That means he was a running back not long ago. Uh, he's got a little wiggle to him there, too. So it's an important, uh, fortunate situation. But I think all three of these guys are going to have to step up their game and, and uh, uh, you know, kind of pick up the pieces. I don't think you should add a fourth piece to that puzzle, though, with Adrian. I mean, what, what's your take on that, Sam? Well, you've laid it out very well. I think from an optics standpoint, you don't want to get in a habit of just recycling through former players just because people know their name and because, you know, in Adrian's case, he's a legend around here. I don't think that's good business. I mean, I think we've seen it a lot in this town where the Twins or the Timberwolves, they go back to their old stars and they rarely get good results with it. And bringing back Adrian would be such a contradictory move 
after all the talk about we're, we're going to do more of a zone blocking scheme, we're going to get our blockers going more outside because that's they're more athletic this year. You know, you've got Easton, you've got Elfline. Uh, they can get to the edge a little better. Adrian is a north and south runner. It's not compatible with Pat Shermer's offense. They tried to get the running backs involved in the passing game. Adrian's not compatible with that. He's not a compatible pass blocker, and he's not nearly the type of runner that he used to be. And I think his lack of a role in New Orleans tells you all you need to know. It tells you that he hasn't really committed to doing the little things, the the pass catching and the pass blocking, if they still are going to put a rookie, Alvin Kamara, who should have no leg up on Adrian in their offense. It's not, you know, Mark, Mark Ingram maybe, but not Alvin Kamara. He's a rookie. He doesn't know the NFL, and he's playing more than Adrian Peterson. So what does that tell you about where he is as a player? I think it would be bad business if they brought him back. I certainly do think so, too. And again, at the end of the day, just knowing what I heard about, you know, kind of the the personnel or the front office of the Vikings that, that seemed split, and this was over a year ago, um, on Adrian for quite some time. Uh, and again, they finally got him out of there. I highly doubt they're going to bring him back. And again, I mean, Latavius Murray, I mean, next man up philosophy. You hear uh, all the players talk about it, Everson Griffin, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, when asked about Devin Cook going down. It's a next man philosophy. It's football. It's a contact sport. Injuries happen, uh, and you have to have that philosophy. And that's why I think you know a guy like me who who is so infatuated with the draft process. Um, that's why you get so into these third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, and even seventh round picks. You know the day three of the draft because eventually a lot of these guys end up getting a chance eventually um, to strap up the boots and, and go show their worth. So uh, I think that's why having good depth is so important. And I think that's why the best teams in the NFL typically make it towards the end more times than not because everybody has injuries, but who's got the best second string, third string, and so on. Uh, and who's got obviously the coaches to develop those guys as well. But uh, Latavius Murray, Hey, um, he's no Dalvin Cook. Let, let's put that on the record right now. But um, he's certainly a guy that, again, can have some physicality to the running game uh, that we just didn't have uh, the past few years. And I think that although he's uh, not fully – it doesn't seem like he's fully healthy from that ankle injury, does it, Sam? But no. I just feel like, you know, once he gets going a little bit, uh, he's going to have some good games. And, again, Jerick McKinnon, I think a lot of people still have a lot of faith for – Certainly not a great game against Detroit, I'll give him that, but um, certainly has some explosiveness to him and, again, can add a lot in the passing game. Uh, I hope they use him a little bit more in the passing game now that Cook's gone. Uh, so a good one-two punch there. And, again, you might see C.J. Ham quite a bit down on the goal line. Um, certainly not all is lost. Um, not the way you want to you know, end week four here, losing arguably your best offensive player, uh, but such is life in the NFL. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash I told some people on Sunday that if you were going to lose your best player at a position, to be honest, and not trying to be flippant here, I feel like there are about five other positions that you would 
not want to lose your best player at. I mean, look at look at the defensive side. Losing Everson Griffin, losing Harrison Smith, drop-off would be huge. Either Kendricks or Barr. Vikings don't have much depth there. I feel like there are more detrimental players or starters to lose on this roster than your running back. Now, I think people anticipated a timeshare with Cook going into the season, and that wasn't the case. He blew that out of the water. He got 70% of their carries. Now, I think you go back to your timeshare. And I asked Mike Zimmer yesterday if McKinnon would be more involved. He said yes, and McKinnon is going to get a look here. And I don't want people to be a prisoner of the moment with McKinnon because you might not be happy with him after the Detroit game. He fumbled the Wildcat snap. He dropped a third down pass that would have been a first down. Did not have a good game. And he struggled in special teams as well. That's something new for him. He's not used to it. He's still learning there. But McKinnon, when healthy, has been reliable. I think he's been an efficient runner. I think he's got good hands. And let's remember, he had not fumbled until that moment in his NFL career. So that's not really a problem for him. He's typically had good hands. Let's just wipe the slate clean with McKinnon and see what he can bring. You're absolutely right. And I want to touch on your first statement just real quick. You're absolutely right about the the running back position is very watered down now, right right now, Sam. I, I feel like again in the draft, I was a little bitter when when the Vikings took Cook in the second round because my philosophy says that you can always get running backs in this draft. I mean, you see them all the time. Isaiah Crowell, uh, undrafted uh, rookie free agent, Terrence West was a fourth round pick. You can go on and on. There's a lot of good running backs that you can get later in the draft. So when they took Cook, um, I said, you know, I don't know if that's the best value. Now, obviously, his talent outshined that second-round pick, and clearly it was worth it. But I just think that it's such a watered-down position right now because it's such a pass-happy league. You don't have that one tailback that grinds out or, or is the bell cow of your offense anymore that gets 35, 38 rushes anymore. It's usually a split uh, kind of running back trio, like you mentioned, and that's what we're going to go back to with Murray McKinnon and C.J. Ham. And and as far as McKinnon goes, remember too that uh, he has that wildcat presence too now, which we hadn't seen a ton. But I think now with Cook out, um, he's going to be able to add that wildcat presence a little bit. Um, whether it's with Stephon Diggs in there or Adam Thielen or maybe just Latavius Murray, um, that's something that you know, may seem like to the average viewer at home that, hey, they're only getting three, four, five, six yards per carry. But what you have to remember is that it adds a whole nother dimension uh, when you're preparing against this team during the week. So you only have so much time during the week to watch film and practice and go prepare for your opponent. When you have to prepare for this Wildcat um, on top of it all, it just adds another layer and another dimension that you know kind of stresses and weighs down that defense during the week of preparation and then during game time too. And, and it may be one of those things where you only run it once, but again, the defense had to prepare for for it um, so many times during the week and that you know disallowed them to be able to practice some other things so um, I'm excited for that I've I've always been encouraged about that and I think again although you're right he did fumble on that it's not like he got hit on that play or you know lost that ball in traffic uh, during contact, that was just kind of a uh, one of those rare goofy things that uh, he just lost control while he was trying to tuck the ball and run. So I'm excited for McKinnon. Uh, certainly no Dalvin Cook. Certainly discouraging. Uh, but again, a lot of people are going to have to pick up the slack. And again, why that position's a little watered down and you can get away with 
drafting fifth, sixth, seventh round running backs now is because if you have a good offensive line, right, like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or Philadelphia Eagles or Oakland Raiders, um, you don't need necessarily the great talent behind them. So I think the improvements of Riley Reef have been really encouraging at the tackle position along with Mike Remmers. And, of course, Pat Elfline uh, and Nick Easton, they're getting better, and they should only continue to improve and help who's ever behind them open up some holes. And you don't need to be, uh, you know, home run hitters back there. We just need enough of a running game to work off a play-action pass. And that was the thing that I watched last night re-watching the game is that um, – Case Keenum, working out that play action when Dalvin Cook was in the game, had so much time in the pocket and was hitting wide open guys like Blake Bell. Uh, trust me, Blake Bell is not that good, I said to myself. But, again, when you get to work off a great play action, which stems off a great running game, it makes everything easy. When Cook went out, that play action game was flat. There was nothing there. There was nothing to work off of. The linebackers were stepping up in the bucket. Um, so that's what we need. We just need enough of a running game to establish to work a good play action off of. And then I think, uh, again, who's ever at quarterback case Keenum, Sam Bradford, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, we see him eventually, uh, they'll have good passing lanes to open. And remember, it's a defensive, heavy scheme team. Uh, you know, all you should need to do, Sam, is put up 17, 20, 21 points most games, and you should be right in it, if not uh, be able to come home with a W. Elite analysis from our guest, Luke Inman, on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. couple more for you, Luke. The Michael Floyd era will officially begin this week. He is eligible to come back. He spoke to the media yesterday, said he's been playing a little catch. He's been uh, doing some workouts, taking some mental reps while he watches the games, trying to stay in the flow and in the groove. Obviously, he's been in the meetings as well. So he is somewhat up to speed with the Vikings offense. After what we've seen from Laquan Trudwell through four weeks, I think I know what you're going to say here, but uh, do you feel like he has done enough to fend off Michael Floyd from taking his spot, or is Floyd going to step in and be your number three? You know, it, honestly, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because I think when you look at the short term, I think, yeah, Floyd's the better receiver right now. Uh, certainly you can go back to training camp if you want to go that far back. And, I mean, we were looking at each other on the sidelines after a few wild catches when you saw that big body, that huge catch radius that you kind of forgot about. And I remember saying to you that, Oh, uh, I remember why he was a top 15 pick pretty quick here uh, after he makes some of those wild catches. So certainly short term, I think Floyd's the more polished guy that can help you in the passing game. But when you look at the big picture, you can't give up on Treadwell and developing him uh, as a receiver. And remember, he's young. He's only, what, 22 years old. I believe he just turned 22. And again, he's in, only in his second year. He's a first-round receiver uh, coming off, uh, you know, two years removed from a really bad leg injury. So uh, I think you you have to make sure that you're still giving him snaps because that's really the only way or the best way to learn is to continue to see the field. And, and although he didn't come down with uh, any catches on Sunday, at least they were throwing some shots to him deep, a couple in double coverage and stuff to come down with those. But uh, again, I think you've seen from the film, if you've watched the film during the first four games, uh, he hasn't had any of those splash games, but, you know, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs has. There's only one ball to go around. He's playing a lot more confident, though, and I can tell that the way he's running his routes, uh, the way he's attacking the ball when the ball's in the air, and more so, too, something that he's always had, uh, you know, kind of been really good at 
is his run blocking too, uh, playing with a lot of uh, feistiness and chip on his shoulder. Um, I, I, I see some steady improvement from him. So you got to make sure that you don't forget about him when Floyd comes back. And I don't think the coaches will. I think they're going to have certain specific packages for each of them. Uh, and I think uh, Floyd will probably uh, kind of ease himself into the offense. I think actually week five, you still see more Treadwell than you do Floyd. Uh, because, again, I think Treadwell's feet are a little warmer now, uh, and Floyd will be eased into the offense uh, come week five, Monday night against Chicago. Interesting. So they've been rolling with four wide receivers active on game day with Diggs, Thielen, Wright, and Treadwell. Right. Do you think they continue to go with four and drop Wright, or do they go with five and drop somebody else? No, they're going to go with five now, and what they're going to do is they had four running backs active every time when you when you add in C.J. Ham, the fullback, to the mix. Now they don't really need to add that uh, fourth dimension in the running game. They'll keep Marie McKinnon and Ham, and, uh, which still should be plenty. That should be enough, and then uh, they'll just add that fifth receiver, and they'll bring in Floyd. And, and I think here's where we're at, Sam. You know, you lose Cook, such a great dimension in the running game, explosive. Um, not only was consistent adding three, four, five yards uh, after contact, but I was re-watching the film again last night, physical. There was a physical dimension to his playing style that if you're a defender, just gets a little annoying after a while, and it wears you down. And Stephon Diggs said it best, you know, I think they're going to miss his physicality and his demeanor, what he brought to the game. Uh, that's a guy who touched the ball 25, 30 times a game, uh, that you don't have that demeanor anymore. So I think where we're at is, you know, as much as you need Murray McKinnon to step up, I think they're really going to have to start spreading the ball out a little bit more um, and winning through the air. And it doesn't need to be long balls time after time, but uh, you need to start using Diggs, stealing. But the other guys, like you mentioned, Treadwell, Jarius Wright, now Michael Floyd, Kyle Rudolph, uh, and I'd love to see McKinnon out of the backfield. Um, they're going to have to start slinging the rock a lot more. Uh, you're going to see the passing attempts go up. I think Keenum had about 30 attempts last week. Expect that to look 35 or 40. And I know that's not typically the blueprint for the Vikings team but uh, again in a pass happy league you got to be able to set up the run through the pass if that makes sense so you have to be able to pass the ball first to set up the run so I think they're gonna have to prove to the entire league and it starts on Monday night against the division opponent Bears that they can pass the ball consistently before they start running the ball if that makes any sense Luke, you're the best. Uh, we can find your stuff at zonecoverage.com or on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. He is one of my favorite guests on this podcast. Luke, thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Sam. Talk to you soon. That's Luke Inman. This uh, episode brought to you by xbet.ag. Get a 100% deposit bonus using the promo code xbet, xbet.ag. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.